0: Every other thing that we've done in business typically ends up being divorced from church because they don't understand what I'm doing and I get frustrated and feel trapped. And God's saying, it's not the right model. If you're going to be honor, if you're going to build this thing of honor, honor all people.
1: Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, Heaven and Business Director, Andy Mason. So many times my co-host John Ramson and I have heard from many of you that while you may attend church, you've stopped serving because you feel misused, underappreciated, like the church leadership is threatened by your success or talents, or you've just stopped attending church altogether. To be honest, I, I identify with that right now because I'm right in that same boat with my church. So when I was at Heaven and Business Conference in January of this year, I, I heard Andy give this message and I knew we needed to air this. If you know anyone in this boat, please let them know about this episode. I, I personally feel this is one of the most important messages that we have aired thus far. So here's Andy Mason's closing message at the January 2015 Heaven and Business Conference on this edition of Eternal Leadership.
0: Here's my context so my background, I told you about in New Zealand, in business, uh, growing up in a home where lovers of Jesus, but I grew up in a culture which where honour equated to loyalty and respect. If you honour me, you will obey me. Honour looks like how low can you go? This is what I grew up in. It was that God has all the power and I have no power. And so we're going to reproduce that culture or that environment around me because you always reproduce around you the culture that's in you. And the culture is in you is being built on the establishment of who God is to you. If God has all the power and I have no power, then I'm going to be the boss and I'm going to create around me exactly that same culture. So what are our institutional religious organisations like? What happens when you bring a successful business person into a local religious institution? Where do they fit? Elder board? Treasurer? They're good to pass the buckets and they're good to fill the buckets. And if they're not filling the buckets, you have a word with them. And serving, it's like the more uncomfortable it is, the more it must be serving. Is this right? And I love you, brother. I think what you need to do is be at more meetings. You need to learn humility, you powerful, rich business person. I think what you should do is you should lead the fasting committee. Are you hearing me? Now, this is not something done with an evil or bad heart necessarily but as i don't understand you i don't know what to do with you so i grew up in this environment and i'm about how low can i go and it's all about serving because i want to honor god cuz god is all powerful and all loving and i want to serve him the best that i can and get the closest to him and the closest that i can get to god is be as close to church as possible because that's where all the god people are cuz the most spiritual ones is going to be the one in the pulpit with the bible every Sunday morning for 45 minutes. Are you hearing me? Jump forward. I'm learning that that is not what honour is. Honour is so much more than that. There is not a single person on this planet that does not learn honour through obedience and humility. You cannot learn that any other way. You cannot learn to be a son without learning through obedience. And even Jesus says Jesus did not consider it robbery being equal with God and yet humbled himself and came in the form of a servant. So what I want to run through is some of the conflicts that I've had to face, some of the pain and the challenge to get to where we are right now because it hasn't been easy. And I want you to leave when you leave here where this reality is, I'm going to leave and I'm going to face conflict. So I'm serving in my local church. I'm growing in business. I'm doing the mission things. I'm doing the business things in local place. But we're praying about our future and and Jesus speaks to my wife and I about leaving everything and going to a new city. Is that comfortable? No, it's going to cost me a lot of money because I've got four kids and you can't work in a new country. I had a word that was so obvious, I couldn't deny it. We're actually three. Genesis 12, 1, get out of your country. It's the next one, Jeremiah three fourteen, I will take you one from a family, two from a nation. I'll lead you to Zion. I'll set shepherds over you according to my heart. It will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Three was Joshua 1, 2. Now arise, you and this people with you, and cross over the Jordan, the line of limitations that you've placed on yourself into the land of risk and promise. We weren't looking to move. Why would anybody in their right mind leave New Zealand? But we had such a strong word. That was what propelled us to leave all and follow what Christ had said because there was a hunger in me for something more. But we get here. Now what? That's where it becomes hard because I've had this conference and God's spoken to me and it's awesome. And we're in this new country and now what? And there's silence. What are you going to do now? I have to create a culture within me that's going to be this engine. I can no longer depend on what someone else is just giving. I can still listen to the podcasts and the worship, and that's really good, but I'm going to have to get a shovel and dig a hole, dig a history with God that's going to keep me going from day to day. It requires discipline and diligence, and they are beautiful things because they have great reward. We come here. We don't know why we're here. I'm like, why are we here? Why are we here, God? What's going on? I don't know what's going on now. What? Help me here, Jesus. This is, we're burning through cash. What's going on? He says nothing. <laughs> we get through to the end of the first year school of ministry, and I say, what now, God? What now? Like, I'm a business guy, and I've always been the one that asks everybody else, where are you going to be in 10 years? Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be in 10 years time? What's going on? What's Jesus speaking to you? Where are you going? We're sitting in this class and wondering about what's going to happen. And, and they're talking about, it's a, it's School of Ministry is a three-year program. Year one, year two, year three. Third year is like around a mentor. I'm in first year. After first year comes second year, second year and then third year. We're sitting in first year and one of the overseers says, hey, we're changing around our third year program to a from a class-based program to a mentor-based program. And there's possibly an opportunity for some people to jump straight into that. I think I hear Holy Spirit say, you need to talk to Danny Silk about interning. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But I go home and for better or worse, I tell my wife. She goes, well, are you gonna do something about it? (laughs) So I write this email to Danny Silk. My culture is that we don't do that. It turns into just a divine connection with Danny. Danny says, you're an answer to prayer. When can you start doing what you were doing with business people back in New Zealand and do that with our staff at Bethel Church? I'm like, wow, I walked into a meeting having no idea what I was doing, walk out of it, realising the last 15 years of our life prepared us for this. (laughs) What's the problem? My pastor within the school of ministry says, that's not God. It's not a good idea. And then the person who's overseeing that third-year program says, ah, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm just freaking out because I don't want to upset people because I'm living a life based on fear, fear of what others would say, fear of losing approval, fear of losing connection, fear of rejection, fear of getting it wrong. Whose word do I listen to? Do I trust that I am hearing God? i just a simple business guy? or the people that are supposed to be close to God? How am I going to know? You're not. till about six months later. What did I need? I needed to trust that I was hearing from God. It certainly helped that Danny was in favour of it too. I'm now working with Danny and we're starting this, this dream stuff. How do I dream with God? How do I turn into practical action steps, deal with challenges along the way and grow? And and Danny's empowering me to step up and we're doing all these different things. I'm I'm starting to learn honour and communication. And and, uh, we get to this point, we're having our first ever Dream Culture Conference. And about six weeks before the first one starts, I'm interning with Danny Silk. I find out from Danny's personal assistant that Danny's not going to be at half of it. (laughs) How do you feel? I felt... Pretty ripped off. But see, I I just was going to talk about this, but I wasn't going to do anything. Except I came home, wrote it out, and my wife challenged me, well, are you going to do something? Or are you just going to talk about it? So I write the email. Dear Danny, at our team meeting today, talking about Dream Culture Conference, somebody mentioned he was doing a wedding on the Friday, and and your personal assistant mentioned you're doing the wedding and you're not going to be there. I appreciate you obviously trust us, with this, but felt abandoned in the battlefield with no communication from headquarters. I wasn't gonna send this, by the way. (laughs) In order to thrive, I need to hear more from you, what you were expecting, or that you're fully releasing, supporting us to lead this, and then we'll just go ahead and make it happen. In the midst of this, I need to hear that you're still on board. I look forward to hearing how you see this. Peace (laughs) to your house, Andy. You guys are like laughing. Why are you, Is that nervous laughter? It is? It isn't? I did email it at my wife's suggestion because she's got more courage than me. I get this response. Now, I'm terrified because every conflict that I've had around honour and a spiritual authority has come back. Well, yes, your problem. You've got insecurity. Get over it. You guys have paid big money to be at this conference, so you get to hear the response. I'm sorry to hear that you found out this way. I forgot about the overlaps. Poor communication on my part. I did see this as something that you and Janine would primarily carry and didn't think I was creating a problem. I'm sorry. I never want you to feel abandoned ever. I'm very much a partner and very sorry if you're not feeling that. I have no intention of offloading it onto you, But I do expect your leadership role to increase. I love you and value our partnership. Again, I'm sorry this came out this way. I understand how you feel shocked and even hurt by my behaviour. Please forgive me. P.S. Good feedback. (laughs) What's the point. What I needed to do in this process of conflict was learn that I need to value me because I cannot honour anybody else if I'm not going to first honour what's going on inside, that I cannot just stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and deny and deny and deny and just hope this thing's going to go away. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and love your neighbour as yourself. If you don't love yourself, what's going to happen? You will never consistently, intentionally develop and invest in other people. You will always defer, and it will be at your own expense. Are you with me? See, now, first conflict with Danny suddenly changes our relationship. I'm communicating what we need. Now we're growing with this thing together. Are you seeing this? So I said, Danny, what I'd like to do is do something with the business community. I've got these business people around me, and I'm thinking we can light them up to this partnership with God in their workplace. So we handpicked 36 different business people. And the first one was just an out-of-the-park success. And then we're moving towards the second one. As we get into this, we've only got a handful of people that have signed up because it's all brand new. And who's baffled to think they're going to do something in the business realm? And Andy Mason, who's that guy anyway? But I've got to grow on this journey. So my business advisors, this group of people, they're so like, Andy, we, we think you're going too fast. You can just slow down. And the focus needs to change slightly. I come out of that meeting and Rick Sabraka tells me, you've wasted $500 of my time. I'm feeling like just terrible. I'm faced with another thing. Am I going to listen to that? Or am I going to honour what I feel like God's told us to do and keep moving? Are you hearing me? Does that mean I just run around and just do what I want to do? Absolutely not. But I'm faced with these decisions. If I want to grow and change and build this thing, then I've got to make some decisions, and it starts with me. What do I need? Courage. We launched it. We had 124 business people, and it just was outstanding. I start to realise I'd been deferring my authority out of fear and insecurity and needing approval. We track down, that's 2012, 2013, we do two conferences. It just keeps growing. Uh, End of 2013, uh, I'm now leading. I I said to Danny, I said, Danny, I think this whole business thing is, I think this is the core of what we're building. I don't think it's what you're doing. I think it's what what I'm doing (laughs) in the nicest possible way. I think it's this, this, and this, business, government, education, Reformers, the modern day Wilberforce's and Martin Luther King's and, and Mother Teresa's, I think this is where we're going. And Danny's like, awesome, do it, go for it. So we step into a brand new area and you think this is really good. This is translating kingdom culture from what is manifested in church into the business realm. We're starting to see the results that we're seeing. In this process, God drops into me a business plan to better fund what we're doing because paid a pastoral salary isn't, isn't easy to better do everything you want to do unless you want to stay poor. And if you're a business person, you've got dreams that are usually bigger than poor. <laughs> so I'm like, how are we going to fund this? We come up with a business plan. I feel like it's a God thing. In 2013, then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. I'm going to Sacramento. So what am I going to do? If it's just business, I would just go and do it. But it's not just business. I'm trying to do business and honour at the same time. So Chris, Valentin is my new boss. So I feel like as I'm praying about it, I can't just go in and say, this is what we're doing and I want you to agree with me. I'm going to go in and just say, okay, this is what we're doing. This is, I've got this, 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 this. But then I take in a blank piece of paper. This is what I felt like God told me to do. Put my name at the top and just say, but let's just do this together. I tell him, I'm not going to work for you. I want to work with you. He's blown away by this blank piece of paper. I'm like, that was a good, good idea, God. <laughs> he says, I love your business idea. It's a great plan. It's a great way of going. I love it, but I just don't know you. I have hardly anything to do with you. I don't even know what you're doing in this business arena. Like, I just, I, haven't, I just don't know about it. So I can't really get in behind you and help this happen because I just don't, I just don't know you. I've built up all of this momentum to, to get going. He's like, you can just go and do it. Like, I'm not going to stop you. You can do whatever you want on your own time. But I, I just can't get behind you to support this because I just don't, I need to know more. I, like, I just need more time. And I'm like, so how much time? Why three months? I'm thinking that'll be (laughs) twelve. This is real. In the middle of that, I feel like God says, "Wait. How do you feel? You've got this business plan you're about to launch that's going to fund your family and fund the very business of what you're called to expand." And God says, "Wait. How do you feel? All of the momentum gone. Ever? It's like, are you kidding me?" Two days later, I feel like God says in my time with him, I don't want you just to wait. I want you to, this is not about you. I want you to give this so that it's in partnership with Bethel. Like, Are you kidding me? We've been here before. The business people get it. I have a dream. In the dream is this boat. It's a boat that's fully kitted up, ready to go. It's a pleasure craft, great big outboard. My wife's on board. I know it's together. We're together in this. But the boat is inside a building. (laughs) It's dry docked. And I'm like, I feel trapped. I'm trapped inside this building. This is just frustrating. It's like, has any business person felt like that? You felt like that? Just trapped inside this. There's no room for me to be me. I was born for speed. But if you just wait there and stay on that pew for long enough and just keep giving your tithes, eventually you might amount to something significant. <laughs> Sitting in this building trapped, and I know the building is Bethel. And then it starts to rain inside the building. Ooh. And this boat starts to lift up and float outside the building, now with on water, and I'm like, I'm free. <laughs> I'm free, I'm free. So now what does a man with a boat, brand new boat with a big outboard, want to do as soon as he's on open water? I'm about to just go, take off. And in that moment, in this dream, Benny Johnson is Bill Johnson's wife. It's like, I don't really know her. She pops up out of the water at the back of the boat (laughs) over the propeller. What's going to happen? And she just points back to Bethel and says, Bill's over there. As if the most logical thing I'd want to do would be to go where Bill was. I wasn't what I was thinking. (laughs) And then I wake up. What's the point? What was God saying? You're fueled up, ready to go, fully functioning, fully powered, but your job is not to be independent of, your job's to be together with. Because every other thing that we've done in business typically ends up being divorced from church because they don't understand what I'm doing and I get frustrated and feel trapped. And God's saying, it's not the right model. If you're gonna be honour, if you're gonna build this thing of honour, honour all people. Honour all people who understand me? No. If it's gonna be honour, it's gonna involve misunderstanding. It's gonna involve delay. Delay. It's going to involve trusting Him when you like, God, this doesn't make sense. It's going to involve forgiveness when you're misunderstood. I don't know about you, but I've walked, as a business person, I've walked through misunderstanding, and you have the opportunity to get offended and divorce yourself from and justify it or choose to get bigger on the inside and build a culture of honour that regardless of how others treat me, see me, misunderstand me, we've got this model, his name's Jesus. He gets killed by the very people he sent to reach. And what does he say? Father, forgive them because they're clueless. I've had plenty of opportunity to get offended, upset, freak out, make it happen on my own, make it happen with my friends because my business people, they at least get me. We go through the last 12 months of just, really? The misunderstanding, the just the lack of awareness, it's just the different language, all of these things. In the middle of that, we see the amount of testimonies start increasing. <laughs> Did we have opportunity to sit? Yes. But as I honoured what God said, even though it didn't make sense, even though I didn't understand that, what do I see happen? We get invited to a global business executive retreat for a global company. There's four of them. One of them's unsaved. Chairman, two general managers. Chairman, CEO, and two general managers. They're like, let's just, we want to experiment what this supernatural natural works together. We're, you know, we're we're not a Christian company. We're we're just a company, but we we, we follow Jesus. Well, this guy doesn't, but he likes our values. So let's do this together. Two of us, myself and another pastor at Bethel Church, we go to this executive retreat clueless about what what they want to do and how do we do this. We just do life together. We just ask Jesus what his thoughts are about situations. By the third day, the unsaved guy is doing prophetic acts (laughs) on the others, doing foot washing. We're praying for the CEO and his hands are dripping like huge drops on my hand. The chairman is praying over the three of them, releasing a father's blessing to see them grow this company even further. Like, is it possible these two worlds can be united? That even in the difficulty and the challenge, it can grow to something higher. We come back. We get towards the end of the year, we have this executive retreat. It happens again, just like, oh my gosh, God, this is real. I've still got the misunderstanding going on in the background. For the people that I love and respect, like, would you get this is the heart of what we're about. But I've got a choice of what am I gonna do? Am I gonna trust God and hold on and keep walking? Or am I just gonna allow myself to get frustrated and let go? I've got choices to make if I want to hold on and walk this honour out as God intended. We get to the end of the year and that online thing I was going to launch 12 months ago, I pitched it again to Chris just two weeks ago. Do you think he's on board? Heck yeah. Not only that, but over the last 12 months, we get connected with this guy who's a, who, who launches these things. He says, look, send me what you've got. Normally it costs $25,000 to $100,000 for, to use his services to, to launch a product. He says, just send me what you've got and, and we'll, you know, we'll see what we can do. When I find out that's what it costs, knowing that my budget, you have to take all the zeros off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Might be one conversation. I send him the book, some of the previous material from conferences. He emails me the next day, says, God woke me up in the middle of the night, and I read your entire book cover to cover, and I've been listening to this material. And he says, I've noticed that my Parkinson's symptoms reduced to zero <laughs> as I was listening. He goes, I'm in, like, I'm in, I'm in. Like, what can I do to be a part of this? I'm like, okay, God, maybe you were right. (laughs) Is it possible that when I choose God and choose honour and embrace forgiveness and embrace conflict, that I grow and I see results that are different to what I expected and timing that what I expected, but the outcome oh my gosh, the things that we're getting to see and do is just off the charts. Who wants in? (laughs) So what's this about? I think my primary thing is just to ruin you for normal and activate you and your partnership with God and then work it out along the way. You're going to need a journal because you're going to need to journal what's going on and how to do it and what does it look like. But I think first, before I do this activation piece, there's one thing we need to fix. Because I know there's people in the room that as I've talked through some of the conflicts I've faced, you've experienced the same things. looks different, but it's the same core. And I feel like one key piece that we need to do is as business people, that you need to forgive institutional church for misunderstanding you. That if you've been told that you've got a second-class anointing or that you're not anointed and you just, it leaves you confused and powerless, the solution is not to divorce yourself from institutional church. The solution is forgiveness, because that's what Jesus did. See, forgiveness is unconditional. It doesn't matter whether Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. At that point, you were shut off and had no regard for Him. It wasn't until after He'd forgiven you that you finally... It's kindness that leads to a changed heart. So, forgiveness doesn't depend on somebody else, it depends on you. So, close your eyes for a moment and just become aware again of the pain that you've walked through, of the misunderstanding. And we're talking in the context of institutional church. Leaders, religious leaders, misunderstood you, unawareness, different language, because of our own insecurities and inadequacies and the stuff that we've carried ourselves, has caused us to see situations wrongly. So Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you that you first loved us. You first forgave us that it was a gift. And then just say with me, say, Father. I forgive. And then just put some words that you need to put in the I forgive. Whoever that is, if you can imagine a person, just say the name. I forgive them. Actually, speak as if you're speaking to them. I forgive you for for misunderstanding me, for not being aware of what I'm doing, for you fill in the blanks. Now say, I release you from every expectation and every obligation. And I bless you. And I love you. Now, Father, as I've forgiven and released that, what do you have to give me? What do you want to say to me? Holy Spirit, come and I pray for every single person right now and just release a greater anointing, a greater anointing, a greater manifestation of your presence to be rubbed or smeared with God everywhere they walk. I bless you with every blessing. I bless you to increase. I bless you to prosper. I bless you to find your fit and run with that. I bless you to face and walk through conflict. I bless you with wisdom and understanding to build the priorities needed to protect that which is most important. I bless you with the courage to stand up and lead even when it's not popular. I bless you with an ability to better trust God even when it looks like you're walking blind. I bless you with peace and comfort that He is the God of all comfort. So even when it feels uncomfortable, God becomes your comfort. I bless you to know that He's the God who holds you, that lifts you up, that even when you fall, though you fall, though you fall, you won't be utterly ruined because He holds you up in His hand. Father, we just draw a greater measure of Your presence, a greater measure of Your goodness and Your grace. We say shine on us Let us be the generation that ushers in the fullness of what you paid for in the earth in our lifetime. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, that we manifest you to the people around us. Even as Jesus prayed, glorify us with the same glory that you had in the beginning. Let your goodness be known through us. We love you. We love you. We love you.
1: And that's how Andy closed this conference followed by what they call a fire tunnel where a group of people make two long lines. You walk in between them and they pray over you and bless you. It was so impactful. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I can't recommend this conference highly enough. If you're available, go to Redding, California, September 8th through the 11th, 2015. I'm hooked. And I'm sure if you listen to this show, you will be too. I've got Andy on the line right now. And Andy, I brought you here to give one last plug for the conference because this one has bigger names that are going to be speaking, right?
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. This conference is really a part of moving forward. So many business people get the concept of we're here to add value to the planet, that that Jesus didn't just die for us to suck oxygen and then get out of here, but Mm -hmm. we're here to add value. And so how do we partner with God and use our business as a vehicle to bring life, hope, economic well-being to our cities? And we just make this statement if. Uh, if, if Jesus died for our cities and nations to prosper, and it, for, that, for that to actually happen, the economic engine of our cities must prosper, which means every single business person and the community in which they live. Growing, prospering, increasing. So it's it's really how do we partner with God? What are the key paradigms and mindsets? And obviously, Doctor Lance Wall now brings that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Johnson is just phenomenal. If you've never heard his his message or series on wisdom and how to influence cities, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's just profound. And Chris Ballatin, and then also coming in, uh, I've, I've got some practitioners. So some we can publicly say, some we can't. But a friend who's the CEO of a uh, multi-million dollar uh, global company that goes into nations at an international level uh, brings about uh, just incredible good to, to those, those nations, in fact, where they're seeing you know pills that eradicate a particular worm that causes blindness. Mm. And in the last 12 months alone, and they had leftover funds so they could do cataract surgeries. And within one 12-month period, 30,000 people got their uh, sight back. So just from the concepts to the practice of how do I partner with God – and deal with what he's placed in my hand to be a positive influence on my city and represent the Father well. Yeah, and
1: one of the things I liked most about this conference was not only the great speakers but the networking with like-minded people that wanna take their businesses, partner with God and make a kingdom impact. I, I met so many incredible people that I've developed instant connections with and I can't wait to see where God takes them.
0: Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's just one of those key components. Of what we want to see is we each bring something to add to one another. So it's super fun to see some of the connections, the business ideas that come out of that. Uh, it's almost there's, there's so much more value even outside of the meetings than there are in because of some of those off the off the agenda meetings and sessions that happen uh, that, that are such fun to be a part of.
1: September 8th through the 11th, 2015, in Redding, California. Lance Walnow, Bill Johnson, Chris Valentin, Andy Mason. Other speakers, networking, a whole lot more. You can find the info at eternalleadership.com slash 067. That's eternalleadership.com slash 067. And there we'll have a link to register, a link to purchase the audio or video from the last conference in January, a link to Andy and Janine's website, other messages from Andy, like my favorite, the practice of rest, eternalleadership.com slash 067. And as always, that link is embedded in the summary of this MP3. Andy, Thanks for this message, thanks for coming on, and I hope we can pack out this conference. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Next time on Eternal Leadership, my co-host John Ramstead, who's on vacation with his family right now, rejoins me and we talk to Joel Lewis. Some people will remember the day you were born, some people will remember the day you died, but most people are gonna remember that dash, right? That mark in between those two dates. And what is it that you want people to remember? Joel has the Startup Dad Headquarters podcast. It was a fun conversation. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.